Hello, everyone, and welcome to Consumer Watchdog's Rage for Justice Report, our weekly conversation about the current issues we're exposing, confronting, and changing. I'm your host, Carmen Balber, Executive Director of Consumer Watchdog, and this week we're going to talk about oil wells in California and legislation that's battling its way through the legislature in Sacramento right now that could finally address the devastating impacts of wells uh, on Californians' health, particularly how that harm is concentrated in California's black and brown communities. So my guest today is an organizer in those frontline communities that are directly harmed. Um, really pleased to have Kobe, Kobe Nasik, the coalition co coordinator with Vision, able to join us today. Welcome, Kobe. Hi, Carmen. Thanks so much for having me on today. Well, thanks so much for joining us. And maybe, maybe you can <clears throat> just start with who Vision is. Um, I know it stands for Voices in Solidarity Against Oil in Neighborhoods. Uh, you want to tell us about the organization? Yeah, absolutely. So Vision or Vision is a group of more than 10 environmental justice, health and safety, frontline and indigenous organizations in California that are working to tackle the problem of oil and fossil fuel pollution in our neighborhoods. Um, the group is uh, made up of all frontline organizations, like I said, which is really important to our mission statement since, um, you know, we're trying to solve this problem for and with the people that it impacts the most, um, which are the communities most affected. Which, of course, leads to the question, what is the problem? Uh, tell us what oil wells mean uh, in these communities, what, this, what the pollution from these wells is, is doing in these frontline communities. Yeah, so the problem is that um, we've seen over decades the fossil fuel industry in California um, drilling next to places where people live, where they sleep, where they work, um, go to school, and even next to some sensitive healthcare facilities and childcare facilities. Um, and this matters because it's a real health and safety problem. Um, studies show that um, living next to, in close proximity, these oil and gas operation sites um, exposes people to toxic air pollutants like hydrocarbons and hydrogen sulfide, formaldehyde, not to mention um, pollution like noise and light pollution from oil and gas wells that are often drilling late at night. Um, and the acids that they also use for the operations can leak into the nearby communities. Um, and these cause real health impacts. And by real health impacts, I mean studies that are talking about how um, childhood asthma is on the rise in these communities. Um, studies that show that actually um, most recent study um, from Stanford showing the impact of living next to oil and gas wells has on pregnant mothers um, and that it increases the risk of preterm birth and high-risk pregnancy um, for these women and their families. Um, so it's a real, it's a real public, and, uh, public health issue. Um, and, you know, the problem is also on a huge scale. Um, it might be invisible because it's sometimes, <clears throat> excuse me, hard to see these oil and gas sites, but almost 5.5 million Californians live less than a mile from an active oil well. And the majority of those Californians um, are low-income communities or communities of color um, that face the disproportionate health and safety impacts of, of just simply where they live. Well, and those are some pretty nasty chemicals that no one expects to be breathing in their air. Um, formaldehyde, uh, methane, nobody 
thinks that it's a healthy situation to be living next to a facility that's spewing these things into the air on a, a daily basis. And especially now, because so, so many of the impacts you just mentioned are respiratory impacts. And we're right. in the middle of a pandemic uh, that is hitting people hardest uh, who have pre-existing respiratory conditions. And what are we seeing uh, in the pandemic? But people of color in California and across the country have been the hardest hit have more cases of COVID uh, than in the rest of the population. So these two issues seem to really tie together. Right, you're, you're absolutely right about that, Carmen. Um, in addition to these chemicals being, um, you know, known carcinogens um, and just toxic on their own, um, right now they're doubly bad since we know that COVID-19 impacts communities that have been exposed to this particulate pollution um, for a long time. These are now more vulnerable communities. Um, and like you mentioned, the majority of them are low income and communities of color where, you know, it's unfortunate, but imagine even when you need to go to the hospital or you need to go see a doctor, that that site um, where you're seeking to be healed is, is close to an oil and gas operation. Um, so for some of these communities, it's almost like there is, you know, nowhere else that they can go since all places, um, that, they're, that they live are, are touched by this pollution. Um, and you know, it really impacts all of us um, since you know, someone who doesn't live near one of these oil and gas sites may not be as impacted. Um, when it increases the risk of COVID-19 in your community, um, you, you know, we know with how um, transmittable and contagious the, um, the virus is that it, it really impacts all of us. Right, so if the well's not in your neighborhood, it's still increasing your health risks because of the increased uh, spread of COVID-19. So um, there's legislation. It's AB 345 mm -hmm. uh, by Assemblyman uh, Murasuchi. Um, what does AB 35 do to, uh, 345 do to address this, this crisis? AB 345 is the first step um, that we can take as a state to protecting these, these communities that are exposed to oil and gas pollution. So what AB 345 does, 345, I should slow down there, I've been saying it too much lately. Um, <laughs> it uh, instructs the state to consider a minimum health and safety buffer zone, also known as a setback. Um, that would mean that oil and gas uh, operations are not permitted um, within a certain setback distance from homes, schools, healthcare and childcare facilities, and other other sensitive receptors um, is the term that we use. And it's moving through the legislature. Uh, what's the, I, I mean, we're in almost August now, uh, almost the end of the legislative session. And if I'm correct, anything that's going to pass the legislature this year needs to be voted on and sent to the governor this uh, by, by the end of August. Is that correct? I think that's just about right. The legislative calendar is a little bit different this year because of um, COVID-19, but um, you're right about that. So uh, this earlier this year in January, um, the bill passed the assembly and it's now been sent to the state Senate um, where it's going to be heard in the Senate Natural Resource Committee next week on August 5th. Um, and this is the first um, step and the first committee that the bill needs to make it through um, before it can make it to the Appropriations Committee and then be taken to a vote on the Senate floor and then um, eventually, ideally, signed by Governor Newsom. 
Got it. Got it. Well, there must be some way that you're getting the word out to the public so they can uh, support the legislation and um, support uh, that uh, that vote on August 5th. Yep, we are in um, full speed ahead mode here, trying to do as much as possible to let folks know that um, this is happening this week. Um, you know, we know that um, these common sense health and safety setbacks are supported by research um, for, you know, years and years and years. Not only have we known the um, health, the negative health impacts of living next to oil and gas operations, um, but we also know that uh, setbacks are, yeah, are common sense and supported by science. The California Council on Science and Technology um, let out a study in 2013, you know, almost 10 years ago now that, that public health and safety buffers need to be around oil and gas wells. Um, so we're doing all our, all we can to educate folks that this is happening and that really um, we don't have any time to lose. You know, every every year we delay, um, communities are are exposed to these pollutants more. And right now they're sheltering in place in a pandemic um, and waking up, you know, with nosebleeds because of the fumes that blow through their bedroom windows in the morning. So this is definitely the year for us to um, push for AB 345 and these common sense health and safety setbacks. And we're definitely spreading the word. Um, I can I can share a few resources with y'all. You can post um, and I can just maybe share some um, right now. If you go to sc.org forward slash CA oil, um, it'll take you to a page where you can let your voice be heard. Um, and 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 share that you support AB 345 and these setbacks. Um, and additionally, if you um, go ahead and text CA Oil to 21333, um, you can also take steps really quick and easy on your phone. Um, and I believe that right now, um, as this episode airs, um, we're going to be in the middle of a social media Twitter storm, uh, social media storm, especially on Twitter. So if you support AB 345, definitely tag your state senator, um, and then use the hashtag yes on AB345 and share a little bit about why this matters to you and your community. Um, and, you know, above all, um, the most important thing that these links will um, direct you to is um, making sure the senators hear from you and, and from their constituents. So calling in also helps. And if you go online and search up that hashtag yes on AB345, you'll find resources on, on how to call in. Okay, great. So we will definitely share uh, all of those resources um, in uh, the text of where you uh, found the link to listen to this podcast. So folks can find that there. Um, and, you know, I, we certainly support the set Consumer Watchdog and have been uh, urging its passage because we should all feel safe in our homes. We should be able to, we should be able to shelter in place, breathe the air in our homes and not wake up feeling sick because of it. So this is a really important first step to addressing this uh, longstanding environmental racism in California. Maybe we can end with just um, a little bit of uh, pushback on what uh, I'm sure you're hearing from the opposition. I mean, I can only mm. imagine that the oil companies are telling everyone that it will be the end of the world uh, if this legislation passes. So what, what, what are you hearing from the other side? And um, I can only imagine you have a, a good response uh, to debunk their claims. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, one of the biggest um, questions that we get is how this um, policy is going to impact jobs. 
right? Right. Um, and that's a really important question to ask. Um, and it sort of uh, creates this framing that it's a jobs versus an environmental justice or health and safety issue. Um, but the reality is that they're not they're not two separate things. Um, and, you know, the, the opposition has really been billing them as competing um, competing considerations, I guess I could say. Um, but the fact is that the policy AB 345 instructs the state uh, of California to consider um, setbacks. So to go through a process that will consider what the setback is going to be. And if you think about what an oil and gas health and safety setback does is it doesn't impact production. It just changes where that production happens. Um, and right now, there's there's nothing in the policy to um, mention whether it impacts existing or future, or sorry, existing and future permits. Um, right now, it's just going to be likely impacting future permits. So what that means is future permits to drill for oil and gas are going to be granted in places that are further away from where people live, go to school, work, um, and are exposed to these pollutants. Uh, it doesn't really impact whether or not those permits are granted, um, just where they're granted. So we know that it's not going to impact really jobs at all. If anything, um, we know that it might lead to a slight increase in jobs due to the need for increased monitoring um, and the way that we address idle wells with capping um, and some remediation. Um, and you know, ultimately, um, what I want to say is that this bill is a racial justice bill. Um, overwhelmingly, the communities that are exposed to this pollution and the communities that are paying the price, um, and, and it's, a, it's a steep price, um, you know, oil and gas pollution um, in the San, jo San Joaquin Valley alone cost California $28 billion in 2018 um, through healthcare costs, um, not to mention the new um, research that supports the link between high risk for preterm birth and oil and gas pollution. And so, um, you know, it's a racial justice bill and we've got to do what we can to say no to environmental racism and the, the standard that has been created in California that says it's okay to put um, these communities of color at risk because they're communities of color. You know, it's no accident that um, the drilling happens in certain parts of town and doesn't happen in other parts of town. Um, and I'm really excited for AB 345. Um, and I know that uh, despite some of these opposition talking points, um, racial justice is what's going to to come through um, if we make a, if we make enough noise and show our legislators that we're watching them. Well, thanks so much for your work on this, Kobe. Yeah, and thanks so much for having me on the podcast today. Um, and I'm really excited to see everyone's posts and contributions on social media. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll repeat one of those uh, websites again, uh, where you can get more information, sc.org backslash CA oil, um, to take action or watch for that hashtag. Yes, on AB345 on your social media. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in this week. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast as well on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, this is Carmen Balder, and we'll talk again next week on the Rage for Justice Report.